Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, this morning, I have a proposition for you. I would like to propose a marriage. Oh, wait, I already did that. Okay. Um, But uh, actually, before we get to the proposition, actually, I have a preposition for you. Ah, see what I did there? Okay, and actually, I don't have one preposition. I have three. Yep, you guessed it. Three prepositions. Yes. Today's sermon is called The Tale of the Three Prepositions, and they are m, b, and l. Let's try that together. M, b, and L. Okay, and if you don't remember what prepositions are, or if you don't speak Hebrew, you're just going to have to listen up as we explain it further down. As you know, we are finishing today the book of Numbers. We sang Chazak, right? We're finishing Numbers in Hebrew. Uh, Does anyone know what this is called in Hebrew? Bamidbar, in the wilderness. And we're moving into Deuteronomy. Does anyone know what that is in, in Hebrew? Devarim, yes, words. Um, this is kind of like Moses' final sermon, in a sense, um, and before they go into the promised land. Today's Haftarah portion, it really sums up the, the transition between the two books very well, and it includes our friendly three prepositions. Coincidentally, yes. So this is from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. This is our Haftar portion, which is from the prophets uh, that goes along with the Torah portion. This is what it says. All right. Hear the word of Adonai, house of Yaakov, and all families in the house of Israel. Here is what Adonai says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me? to make them go so far away from me, to make them go after nothings and become themselves nothings. They didn't ask, where is Adonai who brought us out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the desert, through a land of wastes and ravines, through a land of drought and death, dark shadows, through a land where no one travels and where no one ever lived. I brought you into a fertile land to enjoy its fruit and all its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage loathsome. The Kohanim, the priests, didn't ask, where is Adonai? Those who deal with the Torah did not know me. The people's shepherds rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things of no value." In the time of Jeremiah's writing, he is trying to warn the Israelites of 
the impending exile from the land. That is, if they don't change their ways. So he is reminding them of their story. And the first preposition in the text is m. That's right, you remembered, m. And a mem in front of something, does anyone know what this means? If you put a mem in front of something, it means from or out of. Jeremiah is reminding them that God brought them out of Egypt. This fact is mentioned coming out of Egypt at least 87 times in the Scripture. So clearly it's important. And seven times in in the book of Jeremiah alone, it is mentioned that we came out of Egypt. But why? The Lord bringing Israel out of Egypt was formative to her identity. We are not an enslaved people. We are a redeemed people. We are a people rescued. This is a defining feature and shapes both our relationship to God and it shapes our ethic. God is our rescuer king based on the Exodus story. And we are to follow the Torah and be a blessing because he brought us out of Egypt. Also, I think it's helpful to remind ourselves about the m, right? Where God has brought us from, what he has saved us out of. As a young man in college, I can remember there were certain idols that I had, certain traps that I would always fall into, things I would rely on instead of God. And I remember now how he brought me out of that behavior that it's destructive, really. And now I am looking back, I'm encouraged, and I am strengthened by looking at the m, looking at where he brought me from. The website oneforisrael.org has uh, countless uh, testimonies from Jewish people who have met Messiah. Raise your hand if you've uh, seen their videos on YouTube or if you've been to this website, oneforisrael.org. I highly recommend it. It's very cool. Um, As I watched a few of them, um, for example, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, I got the sense of this muh, right? That God snatched them from something destructive. Many of uh, the, the testimonies, they describe an emptiness or a void that they were trying to fill by other things. And I myself can attest to this. How many of us here can bear witness that God took us out of our own Egypt? Raise your hand if you know that is true. Okay? This is what God has done in history, and this is what God continues to do in our time. Tell somebody next to you, he brought me out. Oh, I didn't believe you. Try it again. He brought me out. Yeah, there you go. A lot of the testimonies on the site, they describe having some kind of encounter or experience with the presence of God as they surrender their hearts and their lives to his love. In fact, God rescuing us and bringing us into his presence is the first part of our love story with God. Did you know we have a love story with God? At the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned a marriage proposal. As strange as this concept might be, the scripture describes our relationship with God like a marriage. 
especially in the prophetic texts. God pursues us like a, a groom might pursue a bride. And our going after other things to try to fill our hearts, this is called uh, idolatry, but it's also called adultery in the Scripture, as if we are cheating on our spouse, okay? And our experience on Mount Sinai, that is the giving of the Torah in the Exodus, has been interpreted by the rabbis as a kind of wedding. You can think of the cloud as above. What would that be? That's the chuppah. That's right. The, the wedding canopy. And uh, the Torah, uh, what would that be in a marriage? I, I think some people are saying it. The ketubah, yes, that's the wedding contract. So that's how it's been interpreted. And you know what you do after a wedding, don't you? You go on a honeymoon. Yes, that's right. And where did Israel spend her honeymoon? Well, let's take a look at the Haftarah portion. Again, this is just a few verses before what I read in the beginning. This is in Jeremiah 2, verses 1 and 2. The word of Adonai came to me. Go and shout in the ears of Yerushalayim that this is what Adonai says. I remember your devotion when you were young. How, as a bride, you loved me. How you followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. So where is Israel, the bride, going to enjoy her honeymoon? Charlie? They'll be staying in the fabulous Sinai Desert, drinking artisanal water out of a rock, dining on bread cakes that fall from the sky six days out of the week, and even occasionally some delectable roasted quail for a 40-year stay where they will learn valuable life lessons after trusting their new groom. This honeymoon package is priceless. Back to you, David. Thank you. Wow, sounds almost as good as my honeymoon. Yeah. No, no, I, I kid. But that brings us to the second preposition. Do you remember what this is? M, and now we have B, right? And B, the bet in front of a word, means in or through. Remember the verse 6 from Jeremiah. They didn't ask, where is Adonai who brought us out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the desert, through a land of wastes and ravines, through a land of drought and death-dark shadows, through a land where no one travels and where no one ever lived. That's a lot of buzz, isn't it? Bu, 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 bu. Through, through, through. Yes, our honeymoon was quite rocky because the wilderness is a setting of testing and trials in the scriptural narrative. But when God brings us out of something, frequently he then brings us through something. That is a season of trials. And that is often the narrative of our own lives. Looking again at the testimonies of One for Israel, uh, one man describes how God brought him out of drug abuse and how his Jewish parents uh, cut off ties with him early on because of his addiction. 
And later he went through a program and he got sober. He became the leader of that program and then he became very successful. He worked for, uh, he eventually started working for the president uh, at that time, Reagan, um, and uh, was on his uh, staff. Um, and then he became very successful, and, but he still wasn't satisfied. He felt a deep longing. And eventually, because of that, he came to Yeshua. And uh, then at that point, he called his parents to tell them of his decision, and there was silence on the phone, and his father started weeping. And then his mother got on the phone, and he told her that he accepted Yeshua. And again, there was silence. And uh, he was about to hang up, because he was like, I don't know what else to say here. And his mother told him that the father's tears were actually tears of joy. That in the years when they had been looking for help for their son, they too had come to know Yeshua. So they were weeping with joy that their son had also come to the saving knowledge of Yeshua. Amen. But others on the site, they told stories of rejection. One Jewish man tells of how his father reacted After coming out of his own Egypt, this man, he saw his brother get healed by Yeshua. And he came to accept Yeshua, and he came home excited, and he told his father about his decision, and his father rejected him and essentially uh, cursed him out. And after that, after that moment, it took a long time for him to come back to faith. That was his desert his wilderness experience. But today, he's now a Messianic rabbi whose sons are also Messianic rabbis with children, little ones of their own. Raise your hand if God has brought you both out of something and through something. Amen. Yes. Now tell somebody, he brought me out and he brought me through. And this brings us to the third preposition, which was what? L. The airline that takes you to Israel is known as El Al. Yes, which I think it's the best name for an Israeli airline you can possibly have. And it roughly translates to this. Two up. Two up. Yeah, isn't that good? Al has the same root as Aliyah. Right? The second word, which means, what does aliyah mean? To go up. Right? As in, to go up to the temple. To go up here, to the bima. To go up to the land of Israel. That's aliyah. And el, in the Jeremiah text, means to. And refers to God bringing us to the promised land. As a reminder, verse 7 says this. I brought you into el a fertile land to enjoy its fruit and all its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage loathsome. So we've come from Egypt. We've gone through the wilderness. And now we're going to, up to the promised land. But the problem is we've become complacent. Our marriage with Hashem was not nourished. We got what we wanted out of the relationship, and we became 
proud and smug. Given all that God has done for us, shouldn't we be more grateful, more humble, and more faithful? Yes. But this is the human problem. We are close to God when we're in trouble, but far when we are content. Those whom God has brought out of Egypt and through the desert and to the land of promise, have we become complacent? Do we give God the best of our time, the first fruits of our energy and our resources? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness as in the days of our honeymoon experience? The desert season probably was not that much fun, but we have to acknowledge that it brought us closer to our Redeemer. But where are we now? Turn to someone and say, he brought you from, he brought you through, and he brought you to. So what are you going to do? Whether we are in the proposal season, the honeymoon season, or the marriage season with God, we all have a choice to make. And it's a very simple one. The Israelites, they resisted coming out of Egypt. Remember that? And then they got in the desert, and they did what? Kvetched, complained. And then when they got into the land, they were unfaithful. They were adulterous, in a sense. And we're really no better than them, except that we have Yeshua. And in Yeshua, we are anchored to the right choice. Their problem is, is the human problem, right? We all have hard hearts. But Yeshua came to bring healing to the heart problem. And speaking of the heart problem, during the period of Israelite history, this is what the author of Hebrews says uh, about this same time, about the wilderness experience and our, and our hearts. This is in Hebrews Uh, starting in chapter 3, verse 13. Instead, keep exhorting each other every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will become hardened by the deceit of sin. For we have become sharers in the Messiah, provided, however, that we hold firmly to the conviction we began with, right through until the goal is reached. Now where it says, Today, if you hear God's voice, Don't harden your hearts as you did in the bitter quarrel. That refers to our quarreling in the desert. Who were the people who, after they heard, quarreled so bitterly? All those whom Moshe brought out of Egypt and with whom God was disgusted for 40 years. Those who sinned, yes, they fell dead in the wilderness And to whom was it that he swore they would not enter his rest? Those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of their lack of trust or faith. Therefore, let us be petrified of the possibility that even though the promise of entering his rest remains, any one of you might be judged to have fallen short of it. For good news, somebody say good news has also been proclaimed to us, just as it was to them. But the message they heard 
didn't do them any good because those who heard it did not combine it with trust. For it is we who have trusted who enter the rest. Who wants to trust the Lord and enter his rest this morning? Amen. So let us enter the rest of God by trusting, that is, by faith in Messiah Yeshua. I'm going to pray and close the sermon, but uh, if you have heard this message today and you would like prayer for help in the season that you're in, that is, uh, for God's help in coming from something, going through something, or going to something, wherever you're at in your marriage relationship with God, I will be in front of the Bema uh, after the Kiddush uh, to pray.